Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. have a little fun today, and uh, this is going to be a little different. If you're new here, we don't do this every Sunday. We do this once every ten and a half years. We've never done this before. So, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we saw this. I was at a conference, and they did this, and I said, we're totally stealing that, and we're doing it at the church sometime. I kind of forgot about it, and it's been a long time, and I want to cast some vision. I kind of want to share, like, what's the church about? Where are we going? Where are we headed? What are we doing? What does it all look like? And I thought, you know what? Rather than just me share, I've invited our staff to share with me today, and so here's Here's what we're going to do. And you're going you're gonna to hold them accountable because when you give a pastor, you give a staff member a microphone. Look out, okay? So uh, we want to still get you out of here on time. And so what we're going to call this is four on seven. Here's how this is going to work. We got a few ground rules for our team today. And so I'm going to introduce them one at a time. They're going to come up here one at a time, and they're just going to share for seven minutes. We've got a clock up here ready to go. And at the seven minutes, I don't care where they're at. I don't care if they are like in the most Holy Spirit ordained time. I'm cutting them off. Okay? They can't go over. I can't either. They can't go over seven minutes. That's 28 total if you do, right? Four times seven, 28. All right? We're not going over 28 minutes. All right? Is that math or is that division or multiple? Anyway. And so, um, is that like exponent stuff, integers is that in? Okay. And so afterwards, here's what we're going to, we're, we're going to give them a big applause before, they, we're going to have some fun today. We're going to give them a big applause before they come up here and a big applause at the end and, and we're going to thank them and, and then we're just going to keep speed round and speed round and all four of us today. And so uh, the first person that I'm going to invite up in just a moment is somebody who has been here for a long time. In fact, when they first came to the church, they tried to ignore their call on their life in ministry and uh, I saw them post something on social media and never post something on social media. And I chased her down and I said, look, do you do ministry? Do you, do you help this church? And, and I didn't hear anything for a very long time and uh, because she was trying to hide. And I just said, you know, if you want to hide, go to Eagle Brook. You're not going to be able to hide here. And so, um, and so I just said, hey, uh, you have a gift on your life. Would you like to help us? And reluctantly she said, yes. And uh, has helped us with youth ministry, has helped us with financials, has helped us with bookkeeping, has helped us with children's ministry, has helped us with absolutely everything and really everything that happens behind the scenes she has a hand in and she's a huge help with everything she makes our staff our team our church and the people here look really 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 good okay she even dressed me to no i'm kidding all right so here's what i want you to do i want you just just make some crazy noise and would you give it up we're gonna put seven minutes on the clock for one of my awesome friends one of my favorite staff team members bethany moose give it up for her come on come on Exciting, exciting. You get me for seven minutes, which means it's either going to be the longest seven minutes of my life or the shortest. So we're going to see how this goes. First of all, I get to talk about our kids and what our kids are doing and how our kids are doing, and it's exciting, exciting stuff happening back on that half of the room. There are a lot of you guys I don't know because I spend a lot of time back there, and I love it. So the first thing I want to talk about is here at the Bridge Church, we love kids. We, it is our heartbeat. It is who we are. It is how we function, and it is through the lens that we do everything at church. 
and it's exciting. There are lots of good things happening. There is an amazing, amazing team back there of people who are working really hard to love on your kids and to make it a positive experience for them. So that's super exciting. So I just want to share with you guys our vision for children's ministry, where it is, where it's going, and I'm hoping it's going to compel some of you to maybe think about joining our team. Shh, don't tell anybody that. Okay, so the first thing I want you to to know is there are three core values that we have in the Bridge Kids, and it's good stuff. Be warned, I kind of stole this from Derek. Um, See, teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? So the first value that we have in Bridge Kids is come. And that is we want every kid to know that they are loved and that they can come to us as they are. That God loves us and he accepts us exactly how you are, whether you have been coming to church for your whole life as a kid or whether you've never walked in the church doors. You are loved. You are accepted. We want you here because God loves you and we want to be able to show that to you. The second thing that we need to do is we need to connect our kids. And whether it's connecting kids horizontally Horizontally, that means kids connecting with other kids, which is huge. But it, bigger than that is connecting vertically, and that's connecting with Jesus. And that's what we are basing everything that we do in children's ministry about, is connecting those kids to each other and to God. It was really fun last week. I was in the K-5 room. I'm not in there all the time, but I'm in there um, every month or month and a half. And it was so funny because I was walking in and there was these two little girls and they looked at each other and they looked at me and they looked at each other and they were like, she's in my class at school. And they didn't know each other and they'd been coming for a while, like each of them, but it never hit at the same time. And they were so excited to be like, oh my gosh, like this is somebody I know. So they already had that connection with each other. And then we get to connect with God as well and that's super amazing because God has a plan for each and every one of these kids and we want to help them become who they are um, in Christ and it's great so the third thing that we are our principle is to create and we believe that God creates great things for us and he has a passion and a purpose for us but we want to make sure that our kids are building character and passion for him and so we are going to do things to create um, an environment that is inviting for them that is fun for them for them to be able to connect with each other and do all of those other things and it's really really good so that brings us to point number Number five, I'm using my fingers. Chris is like, what are you going to use? I'm like, I'm using my fingers. Number five, where are we going? There are good things happening in children's ministry. This is unprecedented times. This is not a normal year in children's ministry. It's not a year I can stand up here and be like, we're going to do X, Y, and Z because we have no idea what is happening in the world today or tomorrow or next week. But we are doing what we can to make sure that we are there for these kids as they need us. And it is so important. I was listening to a statistic this week that was talking about mental health. And we all know that we are in a crazy time right now in mental health. But they just came out with a survey this week that was talking about people and mental health and how they are doing. And they talked about the people that have the best mental health that are moving forward in mental health are people who attend church every week. So when you are attending church weekly, um, it is helping your mental health. It is helping us know where you know we are because we have that connection with God um, 
there are lots of things that are happening. We're having a lot of fun back there. We just switched new curriculums, and I'm really excited because I'm really excited to be able to show kids that it's not just the same four Bible stories over and over and over again. We're looking at the Bible from a holistic perspective, so we are going, you know, we're starting right now in the New Testament, and then in the, later in the spring we're going to switch to the Old Testament, and we're going to walk chronologically, well, kind of, through the Bible, but we're walking strategically through it. I was talking to a fifth grader last week. Fifth graders are hard, y'all. <laughs> Those fifth grade teachers, they are something else. I I have respect for them. This fifth grader was like, oh, I was like, hey, how are things going? He's like, um, they're good. I was like, how are things going in kids' church? What do you like and what do you not? And he's like, well, here's the thing. Um, we do the same like five stories over and over again. So we're fixing that. We are going to look at the Bible, you know, all the way through, and we're going to go a little deeper, and we're really focusing on our kids knowing the Bible and how the Bible applies to them, because if you can teach a kid to read and connect with the Bible, that is lifelong. That is changing kids' lives, you know, eternally, and that's a great thing. I have a minute and 15 seconds. I'm going to share with you a quick story. I did not, like, at 10 years old, become called into the ministry for children's ministry. That is not what I thought I would do with my life. I have a degree in intercultural studies, a degree in biblical studies, and those are all really, really good things. I did not plan on becoming a children's pastor or a children's person. That was not what I thought I was going to do. I literally started in children's ministry because Heather was doing it, and I was like, hey, you know what? Can I come and craft with you? Can I please like spend the three weeks before Christmas doing crafts? And that literally changed the course of my life because I said a small yes because that is you know what we do as we grow. And it has changed my life, and I love it, and it's great, and I love your kids, and I'm so grateful that we get to love on them and pour out God's love on them so that they can walk away knowing every week that they are loved, that they are valued, that they had fun, and that's what we've got because God is amazing, and it's lots of fun, and we have five seconds. God is good all the time. Amen. Come on. Give it up for Bethany. Come on. We can do better than that. Come on. Thank you so much because, like, I, I remember, and I don't know if you remember the first time we chatted, and you really, like, children's ministry was, like, not even on your radar. And so Bethany was, was helping us with youth ministry. We had gone through a lot of transitions. Derek wasn't here yet. Meg wasn't here yet. We were, we were filling in the gaps all over the place. And so, um, yeah, kudos to any elementary teachers, not even the fifth grade ones, all of any of you who teach, um, especially right now. And so can we just give a hand to our teachers right now, too? Come on. I mean, seriously. And... We even have some right now that are back teaching right now so that your kids aren't like crawling up on your face right now, you know, like that, that happens. And so, hey, seriously, huge, huge thank you for sharing. And I just, I don't know, we have a phenomenal team, you know, um, Bethany's awesome. Derek's awesome. My wife's awesome. We just have fun together. We don't get to hang out as often since nothing's open right now, but uh, we just enjoy doing life together. And sometimes we see each other during the week as ships passing during the night. So huge, huge. Thank you. Thank you, Bethany. Can we give Bethany one more round of applause? Awesome. 
Seven minutes goes quick. It goes really quick. And I have like 35 minutes of notes. So, um, hey, the next person I want to bring up is somebody that is probably the most special person to me in the entire world. And uh, I have a lot of bias uh, because I'm married to her. And uh, let me just share with you a story that maybe you don't know. Um, I was not the one that chased her in high school. She chased me, okay? No joke. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. But she ran after me. So I was a speech nerd, and I still coach speech at the high school. I love it. I, I just I enjoy that, the theater and the arts. And, and all of a sudden, Heather shows up, and I'm like, this is not your deal or your thing. And later on, I realized that she was there for some dude. And... Uh, <laughs> And so she won the prize, all right? I just, you know, when she asks what she wants for Christmas, you know, or, you know, I said, what do you want for Christmas? I said, you don't need anything because you already got everything you need in me. So I, uh, now let me turn that and just say, I'm an extremely blessed man. I'm married way up, and I'm very grateful for her, okay? We go through, and and uh, it's not that our marriage is perfect by any means. Uh, we fight a lot, and uh, I think it's when you stop fighting is when you have to worry. And uh, we we fight through things. We, we work through things. We've been married for 20 years now. We have, we have known each other longer than we haven't in our life. Is that how to say that? And so my wife has has really helped us start the church. She's filled in gaps everywhere. Um, she sometimes will help greet. She'll sometimes help with kids. She'll sometimes preach. She'll sometimes help with media. There's there's a ton of different things that she'll fill in at all the different times. And lately, what I've called her to do is, hey, just I just want you to be my wife. I want you to be by my side. I want to do ministry with you. And really, I, we love you, but our main ministry are our teenagers right now and our kids. And so, um, how many know that that's its own ministry? with its own vision, okay? All right, and so uh, it gives me an honor, and I just want to give her a really warm welcome. I love her. I'm sure she's going to bring something. Have, if you're a note taker, get ready, because I know she's going to have a lot. Um, she's been praying really hard the last couple weeks about what to share, and so we're going to put seven minutes on the board for the woman I love the most. Give it up for my wife, Heather Vincent. Okay, so good morning. Um, Pastor Chris always tells me that we need to dream big and have God-sized dreams. And I feel like for the Bridge Church, that's exactly what mine is. Um, I really was praying because, like Pastor Chris said, I was there at the foundation of the church with him and seeking God and what do you want for the Bridge Church. And there were so many things. But there's this one like neon blaring light in my mind that I just couldn't get away from. And so that's what I'm going to share with you today. Um, This may be kind of counter-cultural. But I believe it's totally biblical. Um, My vision for the Bridge Church is that we would impact this community in a way that families here would be impacted. More specifically, I want to see men rising up to be the men that God called them to be, to be heads of their households, to be leading their wives and their families as God designed. I truly, truly believe that if that happens, everything else is going to fall into place. So 
So women, you are important. Know that. Know that I love you. I want to be doing Bible studies with you in, in this turning of the year for us. And you matter. But you know that. You know that you matter because those children need you and you see that and your spouse needs you and you see that. But I want to focus on the men for just a minute. Um, in Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, for which he is the Savior. In verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I know we get mad about that, but just hang on. In verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. And then in verse 33, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now that's a scripture you may have heard at a wedding, you may have heard a million trillion times before, and you may be cursing it because it makes you mad, or you may love it because it makes you feel like you're the stuff if you're the guy, right? But with great power comes great responsibility. And what does that really mean, to be the head, as Christ is the head of the church? So I was reflecting on that, and I would challenge you even later today to reflect on it as well. But if I look at Christ in the church, the church kind of stunk, right? I mean, they tore Jesus is apart. They rejected him. They didn't think he was worth anything. And what did he do? He laid his life down and he loved him. They messed up time and time again. And what did he do? He just loved them. He healed them. He opened his arms to the children to come to him. He took care of them. He provided them. He fed them. That's a big responsibility, but that's what God is calling when he says your head. He's calling you to love, not based on the wife's greatness or based on her actions or her tenderness or what she gives you, but just to love. And every time you probably want to scowl at your wife or your children, just think, how was Jesus affected by the church and how did he respond? And I would challenge you to try to make that same response. Um, I was doing some research because... I don't know, I just was so inclined to do so and saw a whole bunch of medical articles that intrigued me. They are finding some very powerful medically proven things that happen with men. They have found that if a man is um, connected with the woman during her prenatal period and specifically during childbirth, that the baby and the mother both have a higher chance of a healthy delivery. They've also found that if the man gets jealous of the woman's role, that it will negatively impact her nursing experience and that of the babies. But on the other hand, if the man can support that and the man provides physical skin-to-skin touch with an infant, then the baby sleeps better, is more at peace, and rests and cries less crazy, right? And now we know that the women have an important role. We're not going to discount that. But then, if you step it into childhood, they say that communication between a father and the child actually increases the child's vocabulary and has a stronger impact than that of the mother. They also say that that rough play and that touching and connecting does a whole bunch of stuff. It minimizes mental health issues, minimizes behavioral issues, and increases their socialization skills. 
So those dads have a really, really powerful role. And if you step that forward a few years into adolescence, then all those same things still exist, those same benefits of connectedness, but then we also add some additional ones. Then teenage girls' hormone levels change and adjust at the right time instead of prematurely. They have less uh, sexual experiences early in their lives, and we have less teenage pregnancies as well. All of these things are, they have nothing to do with Bible research and only to do with medical things. But doesn't God know? Wasn't that his great and glorious plan? So uh, what do we do? What does this look like for the Bridge Church? Um, In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And then there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I believe that's one of our roles as the Bridge Church. As we come together, we can encourage each other when you're wanting to strangle your child or you're wanting to scream about your wife. That's the moment to find somebody else who can sharpen you, who can encourage you to do better, to see things with the right perspective and to love as God would want you to love. And God kind of lays out for us that structure of like of um, co-kind of togetherness, but also this like mentor-mentee thing that we see in Paul and Timothy. And we talk about it in Titus. It says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. So my desire is for us to live that out here and in our neighborhoods so that those around us can see it too. As a guy, that's a real tough word. That's a real tough word. Because when we do it God's way, that's the way he wants us. Even when we say, well, I don't like that, you know. How many of you have ever wanted to rip out that verse in the Bible or a page in the Bible because you're going, I don't like that. Or maybe you're going, you know what, you don't know the, the thing I'm going through right now with my spouse. And just as Heather said and Bethany said, God's going to meet you where you're at. Maybe you're going, you know what, I don't have that right now. God knows that. He sees that. And so let him be that to you right now. And so I tell you what, it, the wisdom and the depth that I have learned, and, it, and we're iron sharpening iron, and if you ever have iron together, have you ever taken iron and iron and just rubbed them together? It's a real nice sound, isn't it? No, it sounds awful. It rings your ears, and that's what the Bible is saying. And so that's, that's what happens. And so, hey, can we just give it up for my wife one more time? Come on. Thank you. Just wait. We're not ready for him yet, are we? I don't know, man. All right. This is... <laughs> Did I not have it short enough for you? Sorry. Um... Yeah, I know. I know. You know, a few years ago, maybe you don't know this, but uh, we we had uh, really looked for an associate pastor like Derek and uh, really weren't looking for one as young as he was and, you know, as short as he was and, you know, and, and uh, you know, because um, when we started, a lot of our youth teens were like, oh, he, oh, he's another youth? The youth is leading the youth group now? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, we even had girls hit on him at high school stuff. I'm like, dude, seriously? Like, it's not a joke. And, uh, was, yeah, yeah. So we took out a good liability policy on him. Um, 
we we decided, and we were going through uh, interview process because uh, we we had made some different transition, different choices in the past that were not the best for our church. And so we uh, we were interviewing, and we had a a big search committee. I don't remember how many people, nine or ten people on the search committee, and we had seven candidates. Uh, we we used churchstaffing.com. We used Eaglebrook. We used a bunch of different places, and we went through seven different people that we were interviewing, and none of them lined up. And a professor of mine uh, and a friend of mine who works at North Central University, I talked to him and I said, hey, do you happen to know of somebody that, you know, would fit what we're looking for? And he said, actually, I might. And so I said, well, I need his resume like now. Derek sent me his resume. didn't know him from Adam. And it was the best resume out of all of them. And we said, hey, you know, come on this Sunday. And uh, he really connected with the youth really well, did a great job. And I thought, man, he hasn't even applied for jobs yet. He's still in class. He hasn't even graduated yet. And we just knew that he was the one to come be a part of our church. And, dude, I, I love you. Seriously, I know we make fun of each other all the time. But it's been, uh, um, they, they've been out uh, the last couple weeks, been sick. And it's grateful to have you back. Like doing ministry without you, without you sucks. And so um, we're a team. We got each other's back, okay? And so it, that doesn't mean that we agree with each other all the time, but it means we'll agree with each other in public, but behind closed doors, we'll go at it and be like, all right, what about this? What about that? And that's, that's a good team. Can I just tell you that? It's a really healthy team. And so um, I'm very grateful for him. And uh, I, it's an honor to be here because a lot of times he fills in for me when I'm gone. And so I get to actually hear him for seven minutes. And so, uh, will you give our third speaker this morning a great, warm welcome, Derek Mom? I had to steal the yellow mic because this is my youth pastor mic. It's going to get loud in here, so I'm embracing you right now. So, in the state of California, where it's much warmer than it is here, they have some of the most intense and hottest forest fires in our country. And the brave men and women of the fire department over there have become pros at containing these massive, uncontrollable fires. And it's not necessarily with water or fire retardant. It's actually on the backs of the men and women of the fire department who traverse through the flames, get above where it's burning and go above the tree line. And they're wielding their most secret weapon that they have in each individual man and woman, and it's a torch. And what they do is they check the wind direction, they check the wind speed, they check through the path and the travel of the forest fire, and they get above it and beyond the fire with their torch. And they establish something called a fire line, which is men and women three yards apart at a time with the torch. And when the fire is coming, they light a fire at the tree line. And they call it a fire line because the small individual contained fires will burn up all of the fuel that the forest fire can use to keep on burning. And so by establishing a line, they're saying the fire cannot go past this point. We're taking all the fuel and it pushes it and it pushes the fire to a place where it can safely burn. I believe within our church, within our youth ministry, we have youth in our, in our midst that can serve as a fire line. Generation Z, your kids, your youth students who are born between 1996 and 2010 are Generation Z. And the distinguishing factor of Generation Z is they have an innate desire to change the world. That is literally what they are known for. And so baked into their DNA and their genetics, they have a desire to make an impact. They're equipped with more technology. They're equipped with more technological know-how than any other generation before. 
and they're going to do stuff that's never been done before. But like wildfire, that drive and that determination is not selective. They can use it for something really good and edifying, but they can also use it to tear each other down. They can use it to humiliate people. They can use it to do stuff that's negative or toxic. So we see a desire to change the world and we see a capability and a responsibility that's greater than they know what to do with. And so we see unprecedented levels of mental health crisis. We see unprecedented levels of bullying. We see unprecedented levels of all this negative, toxic stuff. Because the youth of our church are like wildfire. They are powerful. They are unstoppable. They are efficient. But like fire, they need direction. They need a desire. They need somewhere to burn safely. Fire is something that we use to keep warm. It's something we use to to make our lives go round. But it's also something that can destroy our lives. And so like youth, they need direction. And Jesus saw the value in exponential investment. Jesus saw the value in taking 12 dudes who were average Joes, run-of-the-mill guys, and he found the power of coaching them, of teaching them, of modeling principles before their very eyes. He saw the value of taking 12 men who needed to know what he could do. 12 men who needed to know the value and the love of knowing Jesus, knowing Twelve men had the ability to change the world as they knew it. He saw the value, not just what was was, but what would be. He didn't see the present, he saw the future. And so he took those precious moments to invest in them. He didn't say, I'm going to feed 15,000 people. He said, you know what? You're going to feed 15,000. He didn't say, you know what? I'm not just going to walk on the water. He said, you walk on the water to me. He gave them the inexperience, the young in the faith. He gave them an opportunity to fail. He gave them an opportunity to learn. He gave them an opportunity to learn what it's like to follow Jesus with their own lives. So that they could do the same to those coming before them. It's exponential investment because he took 12, invested in those 12, so those 12 can invest in 70, those 70 can invest in 150, and those 150 could start the early church. He took the time to invest into the young inexperienced because he knew they were the future. I believe in our youth ministry this year, it's time to think exponential. I believe it's time for us to take off the lid of what's possible and what's expected and turn into something that we might not even know what's coming. Your youth students in this very church three years ago started to give to missions for the very first time. In that first year, they gave $1,000 just students. Okay, The next year, they gave $2,000 to speed the light, which goes directly to drilling water wells, to drilling um, and, and, and feeding people in Convoy of Hope, of rescuing people from human trafficking. They doubled it. And this year, I'm going to give you one guess what they did. They doubled it again. They went to $4,000. Let's go. It might seem like your youth aren't capable of something when they're having to go online distance and do all this different stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, watch out. Because your youth have the ability to change this world if you let them. And so this year, we're doing it all. We're going on our first ever mission trip to Arizona. We're going to go and do anti-human trafficking stuff. We're going to go, and I'm not content anymore with just bringing pizzas and Xbox giveaways. You know what? We're going to get the kids in the door, and we're going to teach them what it's like to love Jesus. We're not just going to tell them how to love Jesus. We're going to show them how we love Jesus by doing it on our very own. We are going to model. Because they are a fire line. They are a fire line. 
they don't just say, you know what, I'm just here to do what I'm, what I'm called to do. They come here and they say, you know what, my peers, my students, the ones that I'm bringing, I'm going to redirect that fire with inside of you and use it for something good. I'm not just going to tell you that you need to love Jesus. I'm going to show you how much joy I have in my heart by loving Jesus. They are going to say, they're going to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, friends, peers, you're no longer going to go and burn toxicity. I'm going to point you to the direction that's going to be used, that purpose, for something valuable in your life. It's called a fire line because you literally fight fire with fire. Our youth have the ability to change this world in this year, this moment, from this moment. This is a turning point in our ministry because we're now committed to developing people that are in love with Jesus, kids that know how to go out of this place, love him, serve him, know more about him, and live their life for him every single day. I forgot that your iPad's up here. I thought it was down there with you. You know, in track, we run relays, which are four people. And the last person's called an anchor. <laughs> and Chris is not an anchor because he's thick-headed, dull, and weird. That's also true. But they call it the anchor. Because if you're behind, they have to catch up. If they're ahead, they have to make sure they're running super hard so that they can finish in first. And in a lot of ways, Chris is the anchor here at the church. The church exists because of you guys. The church exists because of the people sitting in the seats. But the reality is that this church is going where it's going because we have a captain of the ship. A captain that is always listening, has his ear to the ground, is always listening to what's going on in the community. But more importantly, is always listening up and he's always listening to what Jesus has for him. And so I have worked and served and interned with a lot of other pastors, a lot of other ministries, and I can confidently tell you that I have not met a pastor more passionate about his community, more passionate about you guys, more passionate about valuing his staff and valuing the people that he loves. And so I would give my life for this man. I need you to just give him the most roaring that round of applause that you've got. Dude, thank you. I was about to throw up after that. Thanks, though. Um, I love you, dude. Appreciate you. Time is going. Hey, all right, so here we go. Uh, before I'm jumping in, I already got seven seconds done, but hey, let me just say this. Can we give a huge thank you to our team? Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. So here's what I want to end with. Will we let the world change us, or are we going to now go change the world? Will we let the world change us, or are we going to change the world? You're going to want to write some of this down. Here we go. I'm going to fly through this. The book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19, before Jesus ever walked the earth, it says this, Behold, I am about to do a new thing. Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. Jesus' words. Here's what's so important about this scripture. Do you realize that this scripture, how many, how many would say John 3.16 is probably the most like downloaded scripture ever, right?
it, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, probably one of the most famous ones. Football players put it underneath all of that, okay? This scripture right here, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. If you believe that, say yeah. Okay? God is doing a new thing. Do you realize this? I believe he's doing a new thing, and here's why. Do you realize this scripture right here was downloaded in 2020 more than any other scripture? Right here, because God is doing a new thing. Here's the deal, church. We just heard about children's ministry. We just heard about family ministry. We just heard about youth ministry, about what God is doing in and through our church. And can I just say right now as a church, we cannot fail. We must prevail because failure for our church is not an option, okay? Come on, can I hear a good amen? If you... If you don't want to be a finisher, then don't waste everybody's time getting started with it, alright? Too many people need what you and I have to offer them, okay? We have a world that is crying for answers right now. They are wondering what the answer is. Do you realize that you and I possess that answer? Okay? I remember a couple years ago I went to the high school and I said, I need to know what the biggest need is. What's the biggest thing? And so I went and I talked to one of the counselors at the school. I just said, I, just, I need to talk with you. She's no longer there. And I just said, here's the deal. I said, I want to reach my community. Derek's right. I love our community. There's times I drive through it and I want to spit on our community. There, there, you do too. Don't lie. Okay? There's times people in this community drive me nuts, man. Okay? You too. We're in this together. And I just asked the counselor, I said, hey, can you tell me what's the biggest need? And I'm thinking she's going to say alcoholism or she's going to say it's, you know, teenage issues or, or this and that. You know, she's, I'll never forget this. I've never shared this with you because I wasn't sure how to yet. And I feel like it fits together today. This is what she shared. She shared with me that the biggest problem in our community is that people are indoctrinated with religiousness. She said, that's the biggest problem. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She says, because people just come up and they say, well, I'm, I'm Lutheran, or I'm Presbyterian, or I'm Catholic, and they don't even know what it means. They don't have a walk with God. They say, I go to church, so I'm going to be okay. When they get to heaven's doors, they're going to be so wrong, and it's our job to show them through love that it's just about a relationship and not this religious stuff. That problem is our opportunity. It's not that a religious spirit is bad. It's demonic. Okay? It's not that it's bad. It's demonic. A religious spirit says this, you know, as a pastor goes, well, I care about filling our church with people. What's our attendance numbers? I don't care. If there's one person here, I'm going to preach like it's a million because that one person matters to God and they better matter to us. And so a religious spirit says, I care about filling our church with people where the Holy Spirit cares about filling people with God. And so that's what we're going to continue to do is fill people with God. A religious spirit values our traditions of the past more than the people the Holy Spirit has sent us in the present. Alright? Here's the deal. COVID. I hate COVID. I'm so done with COVID. COVID cannot stop our church. But a religious spirit can. Okay? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead this church. We need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's weird. Get over it. I don't care. The Holy Spirit's not weird. He's the one who created our universe. Right? He just spoke it into being. That's weird. Listen, some moments in life will not pass by a second time. Alright? Some moments will... Listen, really carefully right now. i got two minutes left. 
Some moments will not pass us by a second time like the one we are currently living in right now. People are hurting more than I have ever seen. Some are fine. Don't get me wrong. Some are doing great. Some business is thriving. You own an e-commerce store, you're doing great. But for some people, it's been the toughest year they've ever faced. I've had to talk to pastors. I've had to talk to families who have lost loved ones due to COVID. I've seen both sides of the, the mask issue, the political issue, all of it. We've lived, I've people leave the church because of it. I don't care about what that is. I care about doing what God wants me to do. And what He wants for us is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. As church people, here's what God is calling us to do. We can focus in on our problems, but I believe this is what He's calling us to do with a world filled with people that are hurting right now. And some of them are us right here, right now. And I'm glad you're here. As a church, people need to see us stare at the blessing and just glance at the pain. Okay? People will not remember our words, but they're going to remember how they felt when they walk in these doors and every encounter they have with you and me. Psalm 127.1, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. We need to rely on Him, not our own strength. Okay? It is not about us. It's not about the bridge church and our logo and all. Look at what we did. It's not about, it's look at what He did through us. There's a difference. Okay? And we pray that we continue to have breakthrough in this community of that religious spirit. But breakthrough doesn't come through us. It only comes through Him. Amen? Amen? Here's the deal. The only thing, there's only one thing that will draw people to God and that's His presence. Not the greatest message in the world. Not the greatest worship team in the world. Not the greatest outreach thing in the world. Not the greatest equip event. Not none of that. It's only God's presence. God has blessed our church with favor, with great people, with resources. The ability to have a kingdom impact right here in St. Francis. So what do we do with that blessing? We give it back to him every time. Because if we don't, it turns into pride. So are you expecting God to do great things at our church? Will you expect great things? Will you expect healed marriages? Will you expect our kids and our young people to do great? Because God will meet us at our level of expectation. Come on, let's give him some praise. Now it's your turn. We got the chance to speak. We got the chance to share. But like I said earlier, this church does not exist without people sitting in the seats, people sitting at home listening. It takes all of us to do this. And with great responsibility comes great action. So I'm asking all of you, you may not have the mic, you may not have a stage necessarily, but you have a platform to share. You have a platform to live. We don't live in Minneapolis. We don't live in San Antonio, Texas. We live in St. Francis. And I'll tell you one thing, everybody's watching all the time. And so you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be fine-tuned and articulate and perfectly manicured. But be authentic. Let Jesus shine through you. Let the joy of God just be on display for everybody to see. And if you're in this place today and you don't are in that place with Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity just a second when we pray. Because Jesus doesn't look for perfection, he looks for presence. He just wants to be a part of your life, exactly how it is right now. So you join me, church, listening online, listening in person, whatever it is, will you join me as we pray? Because God, we need you. 2020 has been a year that we will never ever forget. There have been good moments, there have been not so good moments, but God, in all of it, you have been God. 
And you will always be faithful. So God, today I pray for the person in here who's never said yes to you. God, I pray that today, wherever they're at, they may know that God, that you love them, that you forgive them, and you want to be a part of their life. And all they have to do, Jesus, is say, you know what, God? I'm sorry. I made mistakes, but God, would you come into my life? And Jesus, you're there. And God, for the rest of us in here who maybe do love you or are in a different spot, God, I pray that you would show us who you are this week. God, would you give us visions? Would you give us ideas that we can do in our circle, in our influence, in our community, God? I pray, Jesus, that we would walk out of this place feeling full of fire, feeling full of ideas, feeling full of joy. Knowing that whatever comes our way this week, whatever comes our way this month, whatever comes our way this year, God, you're there. So God, today, would you be with us? Would you go before us? And would you love us, Jesus? We pray all these things in your precious name. Everybody said, Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.